Welcome back to Ventin Quarantinos, the lockdown podcast by Jim Burns and Dave. I'm Burns, and I'll be hosting this little intro segment alongside Sir David Mills. How are you, David? Oh, I'm champion, mate. The sun is out yeah. at the minute. It's absolutely lovely. Very <laughs> grateful to have outdoor space at the minute. Yes, yeah. One of my friends is moving apartment during this, and one of the main reasons is for all that hassle and obvious expense and danger, quite frankly, is that it's got a balcony, this new place. So fair play to him. But uh, you've been out there, Dave. Every time I call you to talk about work, I can hear the little birds tweeting, <laughs> which is good. That's good, isn't it? How has your, how's your lockdown been? Uh, it's been all right. I'm continuing my uh, girlfriend's film education course. We went through Chinatown and Blade Runner. Oh, you've not seen those before, right? <laughs> yeah, no, she hasn't. Although she introduced me to Itonia, which I hadn't seen before, which is great. And then we both watched uh, Spirited Away for the first time, incredibly. Oh, I've not seen amazing. that. It's really good. And uh, re-watching Twin Peaks, down to the final couple of episodes of the original series. Then we'll crack onto the new ones. Yeah. Which Sight and Sound re- rather pretentiously said was the best film of the last decade, even though it's not a film. Oh, lovely that, isn't it? Gotta love Sight and Sound. Always there. Like Edge magazine. Uh, yeah. So what are we talking about today, Dave? Because this is, this is a big one, isn't it? They're all big. We love everyone. But this is for someone very close to our heart. A man who actually, when we first started the company, uh, hired us, which was good because we needed money. We're talking, of course, about the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Bithel, and uh, his new uh, radio drama, North Star Rising. Tell me about it, Dave. Come on. Tell me about it. Jim loves it, doesn't it? He does love it. And you'll obviously hear loads more about that when he gets into his segment. Well, that's what's coming up, isn't it? I've just added it to my wee Spotify list. I haven't oh, listened yeah. to it yet, but I know the uh, last episode comes out today. It's actually tomorrow. Look at that. Look at that. That's why we're doing this, Dave. Bit of binge listening, isn't it? Bit of there binge you go. Listening. And what a cast. Oh, it's been reviewed incredibly everywhere, so I'm yeah. excited about that. You don't really, Do you listen to many podcasts other than your own? Although by the time you're listening to this, it probably is today. I don't even listen to my own. When most of you are listening to this, it's probably some time in the past, because podcasting is a very time-shifted medium. Uh, probably shouldn't be specific about when things are happening. No, not really, because I don't really go running or anything or cycling. That shocks me to the core, Stephen. I know. I like swimming, but I'm not allowed to go swimming at the moment, although... Why is your pill shut? Well, look, my neighbours have got a pool, right? And earlier today, I saw them buy it, and it was like the Simpsons version of Rear Window, when Bart was looking out. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking... You know, I might just try and sneak in, but that'll probably get me arrested. Uh, but no, uh, I do listen to some podcasts, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, who's got the time when you're spending most of your days reading about the CIA being bad? Yeah, and playing Pez. Playing Pez, you know. Or Fire Pro Wrestling, which I haven't yet played, but by the oh, next time we speak, I will have played and we'll have fought each other in a ring, which is all we've ever really wanted to oh, do. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we're going to get on that, I think, once uh, this is all done. We should do it and record it. But as you said, Dave, back to the matter at hand. And Lost Our Rising has been reviewed brilliantly. Uh, I'm not surprised. The cast is ridiculous. Includes the man Scroobius Pip. Uh, Troy Baker, you may have heard of him. <laughs> Uh, he's been in a, in a few things. Jane Perry, who's the voice of Diana in uh, New Hitman and New Hitman 2, among many, many other great talents. So I'm looking forward to the man himself, Bithel, explaining those mm-hmm. and uh, whatever slander Jim Trinker has foisted upon myself this week. <laughs> I'm sure. I haven't actually listened to this podcast yet, so I'm sure it's full of uh, legal quagmire for us to uh, to deal with after it goes out. Well, I, I heard what you chaps had said about me on the intro to my one with Alicia last week, and uh, frankly, I didn't like it. I thought it was mean. Yeah, it'd all stand up in court, though, wouldn't it? Uh, I think it was mean, uncalled for, and frankly, some of it untrue. Just some of it. <laughs> A lot of it was true, but the technicality is how you get away with these court cases, trust me. Um, so, yeah. Well, Dave, without further ado... Shall we let the people listen to what they're here for and not us babbling on? Absolutely. All right, cool. Well, as ever, if you want to send us an email or tweet us, email at jimburnsdave at gmail.com. And uh, in fact, just email us, because if you tweet, Jim might respond in the moment and say something about Star Trek. You know, we need a concerned response. Oh, Waffles. Waffles is his, new, uh, his new game. He's a ridiculous boy. He is a ridiculous boy. <laughs> Um, and yes, please do. We uh, we read every email that comes in 
And some of the stories, uh, they're great. I mean, obviously not great that we have to be reading them, but we love that you guys are making the best of it no matter where in the world you are. So please continue to do so. Uh, also, um, in the coming weeks, we'll be doing something for uh, Sue Rider Hospices. We're just getting the details nailed down. But in the meantime, if you want to chuck a quid in to help out for uh, bereavement support and the hospices themselves, please go to suerider.org and then you can see the donation page and learn more about it. So we don't want your money, not yet. Give it to them. Um, so yeah, all right. Anything else to add, Dave? Absolutely nothing. Oh, good. I love that. See, yeah. <laughs> Award-winning film I've not been director. out for months. <laughs> <laughs> I've got zero chat. What have you been up to? No, not been anywhere. Well, yeah. I'm watching films and playing games and reading books and that's it. Well, I mean, that's actually the dream. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we will get to it and we will see you shortly. Bye. Bye. Otis wandered off. The market was dense with people. Absolutely none of them human or in most cases even somewhat similar to a human. This was one area that sci-fi had gotten wrong. Absolutely nobody around him looked like a Shakespearean actor taking on a guest role with a bumpy forehead. About 75% of them didn't even have foreheads. North Star Rising. It's really ambitious project, man, and I've been really enjoying it. But it's, it's a very weird project for, for Bithel Games to, <laughs> to put together. So uh, the first thing I want to ask you is what made you decide to put together a science fiction dramedy, would you call it? Dramedy just means like comedy that failed, right? Like generally. <laughs> when you say something's a dramedy, that's like, I could tell they were going for funny, but it didn't quite. I don't know. I. I feel like most of my stuff has this kind of weird comic element to it, but also like is not all out comedy. Like Thomas was alone's the same. I, th- I guess it's yeah. Let's call it dramedy. Let's call it dramedy. That's cool. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I think the first episode we tagged as comedy, and yeah. then from that point on, we were like, actually, let's call this a drama. It'll be better <laughs> rare received in that criteria. That's interesting because I thought episode four just launched yesterday at the time we're recording, mm. and I th- I felt like you started off as uh, more on the drama than the comedy and then lent into the comedy later on. Like, I wondered, Mm. one of the things I was going to ask you is if that was a conscious thing to sort of get people on side with something that was maybe a bit more, not sensible, but a bit less wacky and then um, lean into the comedy as you went through it. Because Mm. I felt like it got more and more funny as it got on. I think it depends on what your kind of sense of humor is because i think i definitely like the first episode is very hitchhiker's guide intentionally yeah like the first episode is definitely like trying to set out its stall in a way that's like not gonna rock the boat or surprise you too much it's just like oh person on a spaceship being amazed by the idea of being on a spaceship okay that makes sense that's that's like a nice ease in yeah i think a lot of it's come from as well the kind of the characters and the actors so like episodes one and two i think were the two episodes i wrote before we kind of cast and start recording mm. and i think definitely i'm writing it as it goes on more for well i've written it it's it's done now in terms of the writing but like with the characters and actors in mind specifically actually with four i mean that episode is the episode it is because troy came in to help out on two yeah and what he did on two he did this kind of cowboy voice and i was like i've got a, we gotta do a cowboy episode we gotta like take that and, and run with it i'm gonna put you in a hole so deep you're gonna miss the stars. I mean, that episode was structured to exist. We we needed an episode that had that story in it for the kind of the big season arc side of things. But we, yeah. the idea of it being from Grunk's perspective and also doing some kind of some cowboy jokes is something that was very kind of because basically Troy, when when me and Troy sat down to record his stuff for two, it's like he's got like I think in episode two he's got like five lines. Yeah. And we were just playing with different voices and it was like, do you want to do New York? No, you did that in John Wick. We don't want to do that again. <laughs> do you want to do English? No, everyone else is English. Uh, how about Cowboy? That was literally like the conversation. We were kind of bouncing different voices around in the room. And then and then because he just did this awesome voice, I was like, okay, I'm writing an episode that's about that. So I guess that's where the humor comes from. But I guess it's more kind of character-led. It's basically like what the actors are doing. Yeah, yeah, like what Kevin's doing with um, Belto yeah. and being able to go a bit broader and sillier with that character because, again, that's what that's what he's kind of bringing in the voiceover. So I'd say that. I'd say it's probably molding more as it goes on to the actors who are in it. And Pip as well. I mean, that's the other thing, sorry, is, is how Pip delivers a line. Like, I'm getting better at writing for him. Yeah. 
um, because he's got very specific, again, episodes one and two were written without knowing it was going to be Pip narrating, so kind of having that stuff get better has been interesting. They duck behind the vehicle. For brevity, let's call it a car. He's really good at this as well, Scroobius Pip. Yeah, like, I think he's. I don't know if he's done anything, any uh, narration or any audiobooks or anything like that before. But I mean, he's been doing. Obviously, he's been doing the podcasting for a while. Um, okay, and before that, like you're familiar with his music, right? Like so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I think. That's the energy he brings. Is like that kind of sense of rhythm and pace is just like right there. It's like, yeah. And I'm having to write for it to get the most out of it because it, he brings so much with that stuff. That kind of. I think there's a rhyme to his delivery as well where there's not many people who would be able to deliver his lines uh in a way that would work spoken aloud if that makes sense that makes sense yeah i think i think if you again if you go back to like the first episode that script Mm. doesn't have as much of that in it yeah because it was written i mean i didn't know who i was going to have narrated but like you know our previous stuff was like danny and thomas was alone and then yeah um, we've had other people throughout. And so I think I was writing more for that kind of warm narrator vibe. And that also fits the, the hitchhikers thing. But yeah, he's got, uh, there is a sarcasm. There's also like an energy and kind of an, an anger sometimes with, with Pip as well. Like he can really project like forcefulness in his voice. So trying to find those opportunities to do that as well in, in the episodes I wrote after he came on board. He's, he's really um, good at getting the. Um, it seems to be a running gag of like, uh, particularly in the two, in the first two episodes because they're focused on English characters, right? Yeah. Um, there's a there's a real sense of defeated inevitability to a lot of the stuff they have to deal with. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like the English condition, right? Yeah, that, and that's what kind of drove the whole thing was that it is basically like it starts as a travel log, like it is. Yeah. It is like a little. And yeah, it's it's rooted in English. And again, as it goes on, I think we kind of grow past that as we go and we do different things. But yeah, I think that's a good a good place to start because it was definitely like a reaction, a reactive project to the present worldwide situation. You know, so it was kind of it was what 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 do I want from media right now? I want escapism, mm. humor, um, characters just basically being nice to each other um and supportive and yeah there's lots of hugs in it there's lots of like human contact stuff and that's intentional i picked up on that when i was listening not consciously but there's a there are a lot of little asides where like that someone puts a hand on someone else's yeah. shoulder and there's like a little embrace and these really different characters who've been kind of thrown together in this mad situation are uh bonding very quickly yeah and that's it that's in, that's intentional that was something i wanted in my fiction. So yeah, I mean, in terms of like the origin story of it, it was basically, I was, I was in um, Portland in America visiting my girlfriend who works there. Yeah. And um, like, you know, as this, as rumor was starting, as, as kind of the, the coverage was kind of starting up before like any lockdowns had happened, but like it was in the air. I mean, literally, right. But it was, it was being discussed. Mm. And I knew I wanted to put something out and I knew that like our other projects are all like very far out. They're kind of, we've not got any games kind of coming out of them, ports of John Wick. Like it's, it's not, there's, there wasn't anything kind of coming down the river. So it was kind of, I knew I wanted to put something out to kind of entertain people because it's my only viable skill in this situation. I'm utterly useless in any medium other than making entertainment. Yeah. So it was kind of came out of a conversation. Do we make like a little game? And and I didn't feel like we could make something good enough to justify its existence in the time we had. Um, and it was just a case of looking at like what can we what 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 can we what can we do that makes people feel better? It's probably the storytelling side of things. Yeah. Could you do a an audio audio book kind of radio play thing? And then it started actually as kind of off-brand Star Trek. Like the original idea, the original pitch that I gave my, my business partner when I was asking him to like set aside funds for me to <laughs> get it done yeah. was basically like, we're going to do, we're going to do off-brand Star Trek. We're just, it's just going to be Star Trek Next Generation, a crew of hyper-competent people who like each other, go on an adventure, mm. and it'll just be my version of a Star Trek show. And we were into that and we liked it. And then I sat down and tried to start writing it. And it isn't until you start trying to write Star Trek that you realize how utterly difficult it actually is to write like next gen style stories. It's just really hard to write characters that are just really good and smart and don't have interpersonal conflict. There's so much secret sauce with Star Trek as well, isn't there? It's impossible. I mean, I love Star Trek and I definitely kind of, I, I respect it, but also like I didn't, 
fully understand how hard it is to actually pull off until I tried. So then yeah. once once I hit that wall, it was like, okay, I, I need to write a story about like human beings who are a bit judgy of each other and maybe yeah. make stupid stupid decisions and, and, and all this stuff. Still good people. It was really important to me. There was a story about good people. But it was it, it had to be they had to be like flawed and, and human. And then I came into this idea of like, well, what if we what if we just put normal people on a spaceship and saw what happened? Yeah. And that was kind of the original that was the the idea for for what the show could be. And then it just kinda of grew from there. But it was it was it was genuinely just kind of what can we get done that's gonna provide entertainment quickly. Like that was the other thing that's why it's episodic, was like, I don't wanna spend months doing this and have something coming out in May. I wanna be like starting that that rhythm in April, so it was kind of that's why we went episodic, just so we could get because we knew we could get the first episode out, and then we could probably keep up with a weekly schedule. And it's been a couple of a bit tight on a couple of occasions as that <laughs> process has gone on, but like we've generally managed it through the system. I have seen a couple of panic tweets from you when you've been talking about like writing uh, an episode sort of almost as it's been recording. Was that well? There's, well, you do a little bit of that just because like actors bring ideas and stuff, so we kind of tweak stuff. But no, it's been. The, the big one was we recorded, and this is boringly kind of in-depth, but basically we recorded most of the cast, like episodes one to three, yeah. in like one session with each of them. And then uh, Pip, we, we record an episode in a session, and we'd, I'd not cast um, the, the Suvac character in episode three. I hadn't figured out, like, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't, like, gone around to it, basically, or I hadn't worked out who the perfect voice was. And that moment where we had the breakthrough where it was like, it's Diana from Hitman. Can we get Diana from Hitman? And then we got Diana <laughs> from Hitman. Um, and it was, but like that, that was the one where I was literally recording Jane, I think t- two days before the episode came out. So that was tight. That was the, cause it was, we kind of, that episode one to three was kind of a chunk. And then, uh, you know, episode four and onwards were fine because we had enough lead time on that. So that's that's all going nicely. I just um, did my take selections for episode five like yesterday. So we're we're like a week ahead of that. So we're fine. Oh, cool. Well, what's the um? Because I'm someone who's like fascinated with audio production. I've been podcasting my entire adult life, and it yeah. feels horrendous. But as you know, like I'm, I'm a post production person by trade. Anyway, I'm really fascinated by the process. I'm not sure anyone listening to this is, but I am. So I'm going <laughs> to ask. Cares about the listeners you know <laughs> yeah exactly this is just two guys chatting and uh, recording it and then forcing it on the subscriber base yeah exactly yeah um so it's not hugely difficult to make this venting quarantinos podcast that we do because it's two people sat yeah. hundreds of miles away at a microphone and that's that and you you know some creative editing to get rid of the sort of inevitable delay you have over skype and things like that you can make it sound like a pretty snappy conversation but it's all fairly easy yeah just kind of add that little sorkin tightening on the dialogue just so we can <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. jumping back to each other i like that exactly yeah but what you guys are doing is is a huge fully casted audio drama mm. so what's the process after you've got your script and uh, presuming all the actors are recording themselves from home on their own equipment, which is going to be difficult to... Everyone's got a different microphone in the house, right, I'm guessing? Yeah. <laughs> so have you come across any challenges where it's difficult to make everyone oh, sound like they're in the same room, for example? Because it works really well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot... Well, all of the credit goes to Chris Randall, who does all of the sound engineering at, at the tail end of this. Yeah. Um, so just quickly, like the process is, obviously, I write a script, then we break then I break that down and kind of highlight up all the different actors on that so a script I think the most characters we've had in one was uh, actually would have been uh, episode four where I think it's six actors and Pip Mm -hmm. Um, so seven voices so I slice that up and then I'll go and record with each of them and like you say they've got their own equipment they're recording at home I do a zoom call with them and we just kind of roll through it and I direct remotely kind of exactly the same as you would in the studio. It's really useful actually because Zoom has uh, a hold to speak in it. And that means that it is literally like being in a recording studio where you're holding down the button. So you're not accidentally putting yourself onto their audio because you get, you know, headphone bleed or whatever from them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we record all of those uh, at different times. So like with the, with the actors, because, um, because it's most mostly narrated I can record. We do about we do about three episodes at once with each of those actors, um, and then stock those up. And then I'll go through and I'll cut the takes I like out of that recording session. Mm-hmm. That then all just gets dumped 
on Chris, bless him. And then he puts it all <laughs> together and, and kind of builds it up and then adds, you know, sound design stuff. In terms of like the challenges, yes, the, the, the people having different equipment thing is, is tough. And, and, and not everyone has like the best audio stuff at home because we're all kind of, you know, making do. Hmm. So it, it's been, it's been interesting. There's a couple. So the first episode, we, we, the reason that this North Star is so echoey is because one of the recordings from one of the actors and we couldn't get it done again was a bit echoey. So we basically, so the North Star is echoey purely because we had to do it for that one episode. So now mm. every episode there went a super reverb on the North Star, um, which is you can just like fade that down as every episode goes, right? I, we, I, I think I think Chris has been subtly, <laughs> but like if you listen to the first episode, like definitely the audio quality we we kind of brought down for that. The best one has been, um, and again, like. I, no criticism of the actors intended. It's absolutely cool. It's we're all working with what we've got. But we had one uh, in episode three. There's a character who calls in via a view screen talking, and that was in the original script. That character walked into the room. The reason they're on a the view screen is so we could have a slightly lower audio quality on them because that's what we had. Yeah. Um, so things like that. So you, you you know doing quick rewrites to the script to kind of make that work and stuff like that. Then the weird thing is like you'll have uh, like Charlotte who plays um, X something in episode four. Uh, I think she recorded on her phone and sounds amazing. So you get these weird things where you realize like actually, and then, and then you've got like Troy, who's got like a proper home VO booth essentially. So, and those, those voices don't sound like utterly different in terms of quality. So it's amazing what you can get done. So it, it's been a lot of experimentation, just kind of figuring it out. Um, it is amazing. Like, and it seems to be in the lap of the gods a lot of the time with audio yeah. um, production, where sometimes you find that, I mean, there's been times in my life where I've recorded audio with like an iPhone in a sock and it's been incredible. Yeah. And I've got like, you know, I'm sitting there with a 600 pound shotgun mic and it sounds like dog shit when you get it, uh, when you get it into the editing room. You're like, oh, a lot of the time it just feels like there's a lot of luck involved as well. It's true. And also just like experience and comfort with that stuff. I mean, it's, it's, we're really fortunate that Pip is, you know, a, very prolific podcaster so he records mm. his stuff he knows exactly how to have it set up he knows you know to close his door and his windows and he does it he gets he gets into it obviously because it's his uh, yeah it's his day job so that that's a big help having yeah. pip as a and being the guy who who like it, the rest of the show kind of hangs off as well you you need yeah, him to be really solid on that yeah so and, and making sure we get like good recordings of him and yeah so with <laughs> pip we were doing it was three weeks. We did two two a week. So we would, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, we would just record an episode each day with him. And yeah, but yeah, no, he's been he's been great. And that and that's the thing is the cast just it's been I've been really lucky. It's just a great cast, and they all they all play their roles really well. It is um, a really good cast. It's really it's really impressive when you look at the rap sheet as well. You're like, Jesus. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how did you get Troy Baker involved? Did you just ask him. So we yeah we're mates. We um so we did um yeah. we did John Wick. Uh, yeah. which was the first time we'd worked together. And then we do a podcast, um, which I'll plug, called Play, Watch, Listen, where it's me, Troy, um, Alana Pierce, and Austin Wintry do like a basically like a game devs talk about whatever's going on in the news show, um, which is quite fun. Okay, yeah. Troy's a big um, Douglas Adams fan. So I sent him like the first episode and was like, is this like, does this sound fun to you? Like, would you <laughs> want to listen to this? And he was like immediately like, send me the next two or three scripts. Yeah. And... And he liked those, fortunately, which is great. And then, uh, oh, man. and then I got a phone call from him saying, "So, what? What part can I play?" And he wanted every part. Bless him. <laughs> um, and I was like, "Well, we don't." I, I think because at that point we pretty much cast it up. I was like, "I don't think we have anything." But there's this one bit part, kind of bad guy in episode two, mm. and like we could have that character. I need a bad guy for episode four. I've not written it yet. So if you play that character, I promise we'll give him some stuff to do in episode four. Um, and then, yeah, just got, got it recorded. He's so much fun. And he's great in episode four. Everyone needs to listen to it, by the way. I need, we, if you're listening to this, it's, it's silly sci-fi fun. It's good for uh, like kids as well can listen to it, which is good. So. It's wonderful. Like we've been listening to it. I was, I was telling Mike before we started recording, <laughs> we've been listening to it here when we've been like cooking and, and stuff. And it's been, uh, it's, it's a lovely thing to get into. And it's like, it's got mild peril. It's got the mild peril of a Star Trek Next Generation episodes, but it's. Yeah. Uh, it's like Doctor Who was what we were. I <laughs> It's, I mean, it's honestly it's milder than Doctor Who, right? Because the world's never ending. Like, it's fine. And uh, like you say, it's full of characters who are just, like, supportive of each other. And, and you know, even the villains are polite. Um, <laughs> it's true, it's true. <laughs> um, but every episode is 
written from the perspective of a different character uh, and I didn't expect so by episode two and by by the end of episode three I expected that every episode uh, would be written from the perspective of one of the hero characters but of course in episode four <laughs> you uh, you flip that on its head and we've got an episode from the perspective of a villain which I didn't expect at all and it was it was a lovely tonal shit well thanks man yeah it's fun to do I, but but again like specifically and that's what's really cool about doing like serialized stuff because i've never done it before the, the main reason for that that wasn't because obviously you know you write the episodes in sequence you before though i obviously i have like a master doc which is like here's the here's the arc of the season and everything so i i knew that <laughs> i think it's on the sheet as wrath of khan ripoff is episode four of like we want like a i want a villain <laughs> chasing them but like it was only it was only it only became from Grunk's perspective because I knew I had Troy and I wanted to hit that character to feel expanded and a bit more interesting. Yeah. So getting inside his head made sense. But yeah, we'll we'll continue to do the jumping around characters. That's something I didn't get a Wrath of Khan vibe from episode four. Um, I can see I can tell exactly why you're saying so. That but. was the that was the, yeah that was what the episode was. And then yeah, yeah, you always start with like the obvious thing and then you try and make it more interesting than that. But yeah, I needed I wanted an episode. I wanted four to be. Because three is the measure of a man, and then four is... Uh, <laughs> they're all rip-offs or something. Yeah, two's got a very Farscape vibe to it. I don't know if you have ever, if you were into Farscape, but it felt really like... I had, I think all the images in my head were very farscape when I was listening to that. <laughs> yeah, measure of, three is measure of a man, and literally, for no one but me, has a moment where, the, where a character expects another character to, to defend the, their rights as a sentient life form. Yeah. That's purely a reference from me of the episode I knew I started by ripping off. So I amuse myself, you know, I keep myself entertained. It doesn't matter if people <laughs> like it, as long as I have a laugh. But yeah, no, four, four would have probably been a bit more of a cliche kind of bad guy giving chase. Yeah. I was, I was, I think at one point I was even going to have them kind of lose him in a nebula. I think that was going to be a part of it at one point, but came up with something a bit different for that. The um, fact that the uh, villain only ever meets the crew through a, through a communication device, is that a Rathacan reference? Oh, I had not thought of that. It was honestly, it was a practical thing of wanting, knowing that once I decided it was from his perspective, he has to be present in order for, like, so we can't, so I can't, I couldn't break my own rules. So I couldn't have like him be aware of conversation that was happening when he wasn't there. So he had to be on the ship. Yeah. And then it was just one of those kind of late night, waking up and making a note of it ideas of like well maybe we don't literally teleport him on board because we've been teleporting people back and forth a lot in this show the the holographic thing was like that's an interesting gimmick that'd be inter- that'd be cool so i know that's more of a reference was it like ds9 season six where yeah, they started the michael the, eddington episodes that's right yeah where they yeah, started yeah. doing the doing the the hologram uh, view screen which I always thought was a really cool idea I would love that I knew you'd have had that in your head when you were writing <laughs> it I, I remember li- when I was listening to it I thought I bet he's thinking about that yeah no it was it was <laughs> but it, at that point it's just problem solving as well because you have the arc as well so you know what pieces you have to be putting where kind of long form wise which red herrings you want to be putting in what do you want to because yeah. I do want this to be satisfying as a whole as well at the end like it's a it's six episodes and then it's done so I want to like it has to be that has to be satisfying so so we'll see we'll see if that pays off one series and that's that's it oh i meant like in terms of like it has to have a satisfying uh, whether we do another season i don't know oh, I, okay. I wait in to see if people want one to be honest like yeah. hey i this has been it's it's the most self-indulgent project so if people <laughs> like it maybe but like i don't know it's it's been fun to do it's been way more work than i realized it would be which is always the case but like I think it's good. It's a, it's definitely fun building a little world as well. And it is. It's genuinely a wonderful project. It's, it's really like, it's something that me and uh, I don't know if you're aware of my, my friend Richie, who I do lots of used to do game mic with and stuff. Mm. Um, we've been trying to write a, a science fiction radio thing for a while. Oh, really? We've, we've had so many kind of false starts on it. There was one where it was going to be about uh, a future human civilization that has to sell planet Earth <laughs> because they're so bankrupt, right? And now they're all, nice. they're all living on uh, in the asteroid belt. It was going to be called... These are all future episodes, by the way. I'm going to write them. <laughs> I use this. It was going to be called The Men Who Sold the World, and it was oh, terrible. Oh, perfect. There because- you go. And see. Perfect. <laughs> Exactly, because we were in our early 20s and everything we came up with was terrible. Um, That's solid. 
But uh, and then there was another one about it's going to be. We were like, what if we do like the thick of it on a space station? Okay. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, there's been a few other ones. It's like we're always chasing that white whale, like of. Uh, and so it's. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite jealous that you've done it. The project that like. Uh, me and my mate have had like swimming around in our heads for years. Obviously, not this is your thing, but like um, we've wanted to do something like that. I wouldn't beat yourself up too much. Like I think, like to an extent, like and I'm proud of it, and I, I love the work that yeah. all the all the cast have done in that. But like, it is also like it was intentionally a project that was designed to be achievable in terms of like getting something done quickly. So like, of course, the, yeah. the, it's not the cleverest sci-fi idea ever, right? Like, a, you know, some some dudes find themselves on a spaceship. That's like fifty percent of of like uh, silly sci-fi. And then and then in terms of the tone, like it is one hundred percent me in my comfort zone of like just writing daft kind of. Yeah, sub Pratchett, sub Adams <laughs> kind of uh, fantasy sci-fi stuff. So like, but it's like it's so it's like it's me at my most, I guess, obvious and safe. Like it's not. I don't think I think there's a lot of option opportunities to do like more more interesting and groundbreaking work. But that wasn't what the goal was here. The goal was not to like blow anyone's minds. It was to just make something fun and nice. The script is very hyper aware of its influences. Um, <laughs> I, to I the really... extent that I'm pretty sure that I've ripped <laughs> off half the... I, I, every now and I, I'm not going to Google it because I refuse to, but like I'm pretty sure most of the good jokes I've stolen. Like I think most of the good jokes in there, they feel... Like they probably I, th- I, are think, from I think every Adams. good joke is stolen. That's probably if you go true, back yeah. far it's enough, right? True. I wouldn't worry about yeah. it. I mean, the Romans probably wrote most of them. Um, That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, they nicked them off the Greeks. So yeah. there's a great moment, and so you have your episode three, which is your measure of a man. Um, not quite measure <laughs> of a man. It's you know, the the crew get into a legal kerfuffle that they get out sure. of on a technicality, and then um, you have the joke in episode four about the crew being arrested and uh and then that all being wrapped up in a in a narratively satisfying amount of time <laughs> i laughed yeah. out loud i think four <laughs> is the most self-referential of the run actually because yeah. obviously like five and six are in i don't think i go like four i go back to that well one too many times i think it's a little self-indulgent because you've got the there's the i don't want to spoil it but there's like mm. there's there's a very self-aware joke like right close to the end of the episode about brunk that i don't know i think might be too far but i think it works in the context of that character and what he's trying to achieve in that episode that's true that's true so i think you got away with it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's really good people should check it out and um where should people go we'll we'll do this at the right at the end as well but if people want to check out north star rising where can they find it uh, it's northstarcrew.com. Yeah. Um, or my Twitter, I guess. I'm always plugging it like too much, like more more than is comfortable. Um, so but yeah, northstarcrew.com. That's got like links to everything. You can listen to it on the website itself, and it's got the the transcripts and stuff and all that stuff. And it's on Spotify and uh, oh, it's on everything. Yeah, if you yeah. just like type in Northstar into whatever podcast app, it's going to mm-hmm. come up with all of them. Definitely listen to them in the right order because they are linear fiction. Oh yeah, stuff, they're incre- so. they're um, they're very. You will be lost if you jump in at episode three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very lost. Yeah, well, like like all the best sci-fi, right? Like you know, you jump in well, episode wanted- three of Babylon Five, you're stuffed. So yeah, I mean, I want that was part of it. Like I wanted to do something, and it gets more cliffhangery as it goes on as well. Like in in terms of like. I want you to be kind of guessing at what the next episode is going to be about because right at the start, like, it was important to me that we didn't just end every episode with the characters like hanging off a cliff. That felt incredibly like yeah. cool, uh, especially yeah. with where everyone's like mental state is. Like I want each episode to end. I think the first couple of episodes literally just end with them like playing card games and hanging out. Um, but like, yeah, by episode uh, three and four, it was, I wanted to start adding some peril and danger. Playing card games and hanging out is what's missing from a lot of modern sci-fi. That's... Where did I get that idea from, Jim? <laughs> it's just these ideas form, fully formed in my head. Of, yeah, we, we kind of call it though, some kind of card game this, the, this crew yeah. were into. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I guess I'm just a genius. Um, <laughs> well, I'm really glad you're bringing it back because like not enough people just sit about and i don't know about you but i mean i love i love the new star trek and i don't want Mm. them to take it away from me 
so I'll watch anything, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like if it's Bran and Braga sitting in the bath for an hour, I'll I'll tune in. <laughs> <laughs> but like I've talked about this on other episodes of this very show. The the, the main difference between Discovery and Picard and 90 Star Trek is the fact that they don't have time. It's the Netflix economy, right? So they've mm. got like if they're lucky, they've got 12 episodes. Mm. They're telling a really art-based story, so they've got the every episode has to have a has to have an A plot and a B plot that ties into the yeah. the season arc. And they just don't have time. They don't have 26 episodes to fill with people sitting around at the replimat bitching about war for whatever. And <laughs> But those are the bits that make you give a shit about the rest of it. The quiet moments. Yeah. 100%, yeah. No, I, I get it. And I think I really, I mean, I really like Discovery. I think Picard, mm. for me, I didn't like as much. Um, but like, yeah, they're, they're working under a lot of constraints. I would honestly like them to tell less story. I think yeah. I, I, it's a, it's a, it feels like a weird thing to say to a Star Trek show, but I, yeah, I, I kind of, it really is, but I kind of, uh, yeah, I want more of what you're talking about. Those quiet moments. Yeah. Cause that's the stuff that, especially as a kid, that was the stuff that was exciting to me. Like I liked the adventures. I liked the sci-fi, but I also like replicators amazed me. Like the concepts that blew my mind, like as a kid, like the idea of like, <laughs> you can order anything, yeah. you know, and the, the, the old joke that in the future, everyone drinks iced tea, which is why, why he has to specify hot with the old gray and all that stuff. I just, I loved it. I loved, I loved that world building. And I think there's an interesting thing with world building that you have to linger in a place in order to kind of pick it up. Right. Otherwise you're just running, if you're just running through these worlds. You're going to miss the cool stuff. In video game terms, it's like the difference between like a like an RPG or an FPS, right? An FPS. All yeah. The, the world is just window dressing, but like, you know, you never get to properly sit down in any of it. Um, yeah, I think that was definitely where I differ in terms of like what we did. So what with North Star, like that is definitely meant to be a character-led yeah. thing rather than a, a side. I'm not, I'm not doing any clever sci-fi episodes, really. It's mostly just characters having adventures like that's that's the that's definitely the focus the oldest characters often talking about recognizing situations from things he's seen which is a lovely shorthand <laughs> when you gotta do an episode in 25 minutes yeah exactly <laughs> it's a lovely just to be able to say it's just like it's, it's just star wars it's fine don't worry about it like <laughs> you'll be able <laughs> totally. to get that out of the way it's really satisfying i think my favorite bit in that episode was when the narrator went like she was hiding behind something let's just call it a car for the for sake brevity. of brevity yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's actually an Asimov joke. A, Is it? I can't, I can't remember. It was one of his short stories. There was an. I, I remember reading as a kid, and again, just like being having my mind blown by Asimov. But like one of his short story collections, it's got like a forward by him, and he's and he was. It was clearly like later in his career when he'd answered a lot of stupid questions at conventions and stuff. And I remember one of the paragraphs was one of the questions I'm asked most is why do I call a chair a chair. And the answer is because it's a chair and because you're human and you wouldn't know what I meant if I said that the character flamdoodled on a schmurgenberg. <laughs> um, so therefore, I say to you, it is a chair. And it was just such, so, there was just so much like, Anger. It was. It was like. It was like. It was like reading. Uh, someone had printed in the seventies a typewriter, a tweet thread. And I just remember as a kid, just reading that and just being like, "Oh, Asimov hates people asking him that question." Yeah. And I just remember. I, I've always thought that was funny, and it's. 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 I think there's a good lesson in there about writing sci-fi as well. Of like, if it's a chair, just call it a chair. Yeah. It's fine. The audience is going to know that it's a cool alien chair. You don't need to necessarily kind of go there. And ultimately, it's language, right? I mean, it's 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 for yeah. the reason you call a car a car and a chair a chair is the same reason that like all the alien cultures are speaking English. Whatever in-story reason there is for that, yeah. whether it's universal translators or whatever, it's just like it's just because we don't want to spend nineteen minutes of the episode with them fucking getting the thesaurus out, right? Unless that's the story, right? Unless that's the episode, which obviously yeah. in Star Trek some of the best episodes have played with like language and, and communication and all that stuff. Yeah, it was actually one of the fun funniest things was with episode two because I, I send the scripts around a few people just to kind of get notes and feedback before before like locking them in and recording them like i remember episode two um uh ben uh, his producers worked with us on several things he um he sent back a thing going how how are they all speaking english to each other mike and i realized i'd not put that in because <laughs> i just didn't because i was like if because it's star wars or star trek and he's like yeah but you, you you're not in those things you you have to establish it for your world so it just becomes a throwaway thing of like there was a universal translator but no one explains them how it works mm -hmm. like just it's out there it's fine it doesn't matter but it's that weird thing of like yeah it, 
it leans on a lot of tropes and therefore I have to remember which ones I've lent on and which ones I've still got room to play with. ask you about some video games bullshit unfortunately i'm sorry oh yeah that's uh, what i'm that's <laughs> what i'm i do i generally make video games so nice yeah yeah um but the uh <laughs> i'm not writing douglas adams fanfic i do enjoy <laughs> making hideo kojima fan games before we move on to that i just wanted to throw it out there if you need a policeman character in season two <laughs> bring him back i've got we, a we, microphone <laughs> can, can we oh I've, i'm this embarrassing i can't remember his name what's his name the cop character that you do tam mcgleish tam mcgleish <laughs> can tam enter the biffle games universe of course can we do that yeah absolutely that's awesome like, i'm awesome. not asking that's... for much just a, a small but pivotal role in one of the uh like yeah a, like they'll convince me to let them out of a cell or something i don't know yeah i mean let's 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 definitely if there's a season two you're in it we'll, we'll find a role <laughs> this is like this is like uh, patrick stewart going on the was it the view with like whoopi goldberg he's like i want you in picard season two this is yeah. that moment I want you in Picard season two. <laughs> yeah, Tam McLeish is going to join the, the the crew at some point. Oh, thank you. Like yeah, that. brilliant. I wanted yeah. to get that in there because I knew you'd uh, I knew you'd let me in. It's cool. We need to get the whole videogamer.com <laughs> continuity <laughs> built in. There's just an entire episode of the Miller Report playing out on some oh planet somewhere. Oh, God, get Miller in. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that Voyager episode with The Rock, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just do your own equivalent. Honestly, like that's definitely something I've got planned for the second. If we do a second, basically in the world where we do a second series, it'll yeah. be because there were enough fans. And if there's enough fans, I want to do the episode that is self-awareedly the episode with all the bullshit cameos. Yeah, like I want to do that episode because it feels like the second series of every comedy like is the one where the famous people started liking the first series so you get all of those guys coming in yeah and, and that's definitely like episode yeah season two like if it gets celebrity fans and we do season two there's gonna be one episode that is just every single one of those cameos <laughs> we'll just we'll just push it all rather than spreading it out in a way that's distracting or annoying for the show just like one episode that is just like one hour of everyone with more than fifty thousand twitter followers who likes the show <laughs> you just cram them in. It's great. look i don't have fifty thousand twitter followers but I want it anyway. So um. no, you're in anyway. Sorry, yeah, I set the bar. I set the bar in the wrong place. So like, oh, no, he's he's, uh, he's priced well, me out. Um, if Lin Manuel Miranda won't do it, we'll put you in. <laughs> you, know, you could be the, you could be the understudy. Well, if you pitch to Lin Manuel Miranda about uh, playing a Glaswegian police officer, <laughs> you know what? He's versatile. I think he could pull it off. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you should put that limit on him. He'd be like the Hollywood version. I wanted to ask you about, because people will be annoyed if we don't talk about games and stuff. Yeah. So the Xbox Series X and the, the PS5, mm. as um, to get your perspective as a, you know, you're a prolific indie developer. You're one of the most well-known indie developers. Is there anything about the way next-gen hardware is going that you're excited about? It's it's the loading times. Yeah. That's the thing that is the killer app that no one seems excited enough about. Because that's legit. And that is the thing that Sony and Microsoft are both really hitting right now. They are, but I don't feel like anyone's... I don't know if... I don't think the... I don't think players believe them. So I don't think there's much buzz. Yeah. Um, but it is genuinely amazing. I think that the sort of people who would understand that difference are the sort of people who would probably already have a sort of PC rig that's had an SSD in it for the past five years. So it's, yeah. it's not really news to them. But even then, like even with the the, the big thing is the standardization of it as a technology. Yeah, like that's yeah. the, because it means that everything will be built around that. And yeah. I don't think players know how much like memory and loading play into the way games currently are made. Like in terms of like mm. dogleg corridors in PS1 era, like when they ported Deus Ex, the original Deus Ex to PS2, and they had to, and every environment just got loads of dogleg corridors so they could just load in all of the, the maps as you were playing in real time. Yeah. Um, the way Halo levels are made, it's all like built around this expectation of, of lag and hard drive spinning around and like, you know, the memory limitations. And, and when you don't have that, that's what excites me. And, and, and crucially as well with the indie side of things, it's often not so much about like what the AAAs are going to be able to do. It's basically like what 
what of our nonsense does this cover up? <laughs> yeah. Like what what's the affordance this gives us that we can be mm. not quite as good or at least not have the, the money to like invest in like being as amazingly optimized. Yeah. And loading like yeah, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons that you don't see like indie open world games is cuz loading's hard cuz having stuff streaming in in real time and, and and maps that just seamlessly load in as you're playing that that takes real skill and talent and money basically yeah because like the big games have entire teams on that don't they like you know. sure and they, and they and they should and it's great and i play the hell out of those games i love it but like it's it's definitely like yeah it's one of those things where you know there was a point where 3d became possible for indies and it feels like this is the point where big worlds become possible for indies yeah. but also more than that just kind of in terms of like fast travel like right now the way i'm playing hitman 2 at the moment and like the amount of time you have to take to like load in uh when you mess up yeah that being an instantaneous button press like i don't think players are aware it's gonna feel so old it's gonna be like trying to play a game without thumbsticks yeah oh god it's gonna be so weird going back to games with loading times again after this or with loading times that like mathematically matter Mm -hmm. um but yeah, it's, you're right though. PC's had it for a while, so it's not like a completely groundbreaking tech. What's exciting is that because it will be in everything, we're all going to build games yeah. built around that assumption, and it, and that's exciting because that just means cool stuff will happen. It's but how do you put that in a trailer though? How do you sell that? Like I watched the Xbox Series X thing, yeah, and they could bring uh, there was there was today the day we were recording this. Like you could put up at the start of each of those trailers, and by the way, this level you're seeing took. 0.2 seconds to load mm-hmm. but it's not you can't sell that via a visual so people you know look at it and go well i can't see a necessarily a massive visual jump up but they'll notice when they're playing when they when they load into a race in a racing game and it's just there that's going to be massive it's one of these invisible things that uh, the, the the benefit of it is more experiential the gameplay stuff is exciting that's the one that i think i'm even i'm like i, I i'm sure there are going to be ways that that's utilized that i'm not thinking about but like mm. The reason you didn't have access to, or it was hard to get access to like planes and stuff in GTA early on was because streaming in a city was hard. So they couldn't quite get that stuff working well. So you couldn't have like a fighter jet in GTA three because you literally wouldn't be able to get, you'd be able to outrun the loading. Yeah. So that that kind of difference you can see coming in where, where there's, there's things that we don't put in games right now because of the loading limitation, that it's going to, it's going to really call attention to it. People are going to, it's going to lead to mechanically new stuff because we're not having to limit players in that way. So yeah, I'm super hyped. And it should be the end of, um, I mean, you've touched on this with the long corridors and things like that, but it will signal the end of things like a lot of players just don't understand why they're there. Like those narrow cracks that Lara Croft has to shuffle through, you know, all that kind of thing. And elevators. uh, Yeah. Um, if, if that Mass Effect remake is real, the Mass Effect remake is going to have instant... They're going to have to artificially add elevator time so you can have the conversations between the characters between the spaces. I don't know, unless they just cut that completely and then people are... Be- they might, they might, in fairness. Yeah, do they? People will complain that it's not the authentic experience unless you're... Uh- <laughs> it'll be an option when you... It'll be a tick box on, on new game. You can tick it elevators, <laughs> yeah, totally. yes or no. <laughs> um, it's one of these times when we get when we're getting new hardware, and it's one of these times where it's um, it's a bit bittersweet because people have gotten so good at making Xbox One games, people have gotten so good at making PS4 games. So now we're kind of going back to square one on the new hardware, right? So we're not going to really feel the true benefit of um, of this new hardware until we're about what two two years in. I I think that's not going to be as I feel like that already was not as big of an issue between like mm-hmm. Xbox 360 and Xbox One. I think it's probably even less because okay, <laughs> and this is where we start to tiptoe around NDA, so I'm gonna be very careful. But like, because I'm not sure what they what I'm not sure what's out and what isn't. But like hardware wise, you know, consoles have been slowly and quietly becoming PCs for a while. That's not NDA information, right? Like yeah. the hardware has become standardized in the same way as Xbox One didn't take a massive amount of time to spin up to something that was approaching what was possible at the tail end of Xbox 360. I think we'll see the same here. It's going to feel like a, a it's going to be a subtle jump and then it's going to continue on. I don't think it's going to, it's not like when we, when you went to like PS2 to PS3 and like the last PS2 game literally looked better than the first PS3 game. Like we're not going to be in that zone where, where, where things have to be relearned because effectively 
the tools we're using, the middlewares we're using, the, the, the assumptions we're making about the hardware are mm. going to be on a par and kind of it should transition quite nicely. I would have thought that, um, again, I would have thought without knowing anything or having any understanding of how those processes work, the, the loading thing is like something that would be relatively easy to take advantage of relatively quickly. But yeah, it's, it's basically, I guess what I'm saying is I would expect more of the PS3 to PS4 era kind of transition. It, it, it's, you're going to, as a player, you're going to see that yeah. jump. I think maybe not in like a pre-rendered kind of cutscene at E3 because you're very used to those being the best possible version of events. But I think you're, I don't think you're going to be disappointed when you boot up your PS5 with like a launch title. I think you're going to see a difference if you're, if you're a PS4 player up to that point. I think the, one of the most interesting comparisons is going to be Assassin's Creed Valhalla is a cross-gen title. Mm. And obviously it's a big open world game. There's going to be a lot of loading. And then the comparison between the, the Xbox one version and the series x version is going to be uh where the proof and the pudding is right i mean not not in terms of how um devs could use the the loading management creatively but just in terms of the sheer brick walls that we're not hitting um with the new hardware Uh, yeah i I assume yeah ubisoft i assume will have had access and will have been been playing i mean i i think it leaked the spider-man demo like the Mm. the fast traveling spider-man where it's like it's just literally like the blink of an eye fades to black comes back up like i'd be shocked if they didn't launch with that on on the on the next gen like as terms of like fast travel like you press a button and it's like a three second transition and you're where you want to be but also like that is one area where it's going to take devs a little while to kind of figure out how to best utilize it so that's one area where yeah it's 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 not going to be the best it can be at the start of the generation there's going to be some learning involved and just daft stuff and just in terms of like how we store data like the really kind of nuts and bolts tech side of it there's a lot of presumptions and a lot of um and and pc gamers know this is true but like consoles do kind of pull hold back the the technological innovation because you don't want to invest money putting stuff into your pc version um, that you can't use on console unless you have the resources and you know you're a big gamer. Or and not only that, but like you know, on the PC side itself, like some people are playing games on hardware that's seven years old. Right, um, exactly. Yeah. So, like as an indie, I can't. There's very few arguments for me adding like ray tracing to the PC version of John Wick. Mm-hmm. That that wouldn't make a lot of sense in the current thing. But if if ray tracing is just a standard thing that I'm putting into my PS5, Xbox, Series X, then I'm going to be more likely to kind of invest the time and money to do that. And that's that's exo- that's cool. It just it raises the bar on what the foundational yeah. expectation is. Uh, it's exciting times ahead. I'm absolutely happy with what we've uh, what we've covered so far, man. I think we've uh, we've done pretty well. I'm proud of us. <laughs> I think we we came in. We had a we had a goal. I don't know if you've been watching the the Netflix Michael Jordan basketball documentary. I haven't. The last dance. <laughs> It's, it's really good and I don't like basketball I don't have any interest in basketball but it's genuinely good but I feel like I learned a lot about kind of bringing your A game putting in the effort and I feel we really <laughs> I feel you and I together we've been a really great team and we've, we've gotten this done absolutely we've made ourselves proud we've made our families <laughs> proud just to wrap up and I know we've already told people but we want to tell people again because I want everyone to get on this because frankly I want you to do a second season and I want to be in it <laughs> I've got ulterior motives here no it's good it's a good system I've incentivized you now it's good corruption is easy isn't it I guess yeah I mean nepotism man um, it, yeah. like the world runs on it literally so um, <laughs> if people want to listen to North Star Rising where should they go they should go to www.northstarcrew.com uh, or just literally type North Star into whatever podcast app you, you use and it should come yeah. up. Um, and failing all of that, find me on Twitter and I'll be... You, you'll definitely probably have... I've done yeah, a, you will have tweeted about Probably it. I've done a plug within half an hour of when you log on. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Just um, go to Mike's feed and sque- scroll three tweets back. Yeah, you'll see like there'll be like some vague subtweet about the issue of the day. Yeah. There'll be me retweeting something actually made by a talented person and then third option on the list of me <laughs> plugging something I'm trying to sell. Fantastic. <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Thank you so much for coming on. No worries. Good to be here.